the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Ghost and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. Our recent shows in Magic Markets Premium have included platforms like TripAdvisor, technology businesses like Salesforce, luxury consumer brands like LVMH and Aston Martin, and even an old-school industrials group like 3M. For just 99 Rand a month and no minimum commitment, there is no better way to learn about international stocks and how to research them. Visit magic-markets.com to sign up today. Welcome to episode 131 of Magic Markets. Mo and I are fresh off recording a Magic Markets premium recap of Hasbro and Visa. So we very much had our heads down in researching a couple of really interesting US stocks and just checking how they've performed versus what we expected. One did what we thought. Uh, one didn't really do what I wanted it to, but that's how it goes, Mo. And that's why we uh, do this research and why we do these recaps and, and check what happened. Yeah, I mean, Ghost, I think the recaps are so important because someone has to mark the homework. We do that in public. Uh, and we you know, publicly will say when we got things right and when we got things wrong, mainly because this is about practical use of educating ourselves and how we apply that in our portfolios. We're not going to get every call right. Uh, and thankfully, you know, we seem to be getting more right than wrong. But I think the more important point for me, Ghost, is also the introspection of the types of analysis that we use. You know, we we know we've been unequivocal in saying Magic Markets Premium is going to be about both fundamentals as well as technicals. We try and provide a lot of detail around both of those, mainly because we believe those two disciplines coexist. It's not one or the other. It's that you can actually use them alongside one another where you find a great company, you may want to invest in it over the longer term, and you then use technicals to maybe time your entry or your exit or manage your risks. And so I want to provide that kind of context in the type of discussion that we're going to be having today. And so much of it comes down to, you know, what does do your own research actually mean? I mean, that sort of DYOR became such a thing during the pandemic, and it was so good to see Obviously, so many people coming into the market nice and fresh. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people have either fallen out or are kind of just sitting on their hands now or bluntly are dealing with, you know, consumer pressures and inflation and higher interest rates. I mean, we can see it in the companies that we cover. You can easily see that impact starting to come through. There was a great line in the Hasbro report we just did where, you know, the CEO talks about how they don't just compete with the other toy companies. They also compete with the food businesses and the Unilevers of this world for people's just consumer staples dollars, not just their discretionary dollars. And of course, investing, unfortunately, for so many people is kind of further down. So, you know, a lot of people came into the market, they, you know, in some cases took a bit of a smack. And it's because they just didn't do their own research, one, but two, they don't really understand the term. And I think what we've built in premium is the research process we follow. We eat our own cooking in that, you know, we act in many cases on our own conclusions rightly or wrongly and that's why we do the recap shows as well you know it's not just because that's part of our premium offering but just selfishly you know I'm sitting in a scenario where I'm down on Hasbro I want to know why and having given it several quarters now to settle it's time to have a look and say okay what do I do with this thing you know do I double down on it do I add a little bit do I just leave it to run do I sell it and get out of it like I did with TripAdvisor which I bought as part of a basket of travel stocks I actually waited for that thing to pop a little bit more and then got out of it uh, literally this week it was up six percent in the last month or so so at least I clawed some of that back you know there were other travel stocks that worked well there was Visa which had this kind of travel underpin you know which has worked well as travel has recovered and the point is you can't win 
everything. And I remember reading a really good blog at one point about the win rates of the world's greatest ever tennis players. And even the Roger Federer's of this world, you know, their win rate is sort of 50-60% on shots. They don't win all their shots. How can they possibly? But they win more than they lose. And because of the way tennis is structured, you can get away with that. And as long as you're always winning your match points, you know, you can technically win every game you ever play. Golf, not so much. You have a bad hole that ruins your whole portfolio. You know, I wrote on this recently for the Financial Mail this week. But that's what we do in premium. We kind of take, you know, the research we do on these different stocks and the different ways that we do that research and we apply it with our own money. Yeah, very much the proverbial tennis match or maybe even, you know, long term. Let's say it's test cricket. You know, you just take the singles where you can. As long as you're winning more than you're losing, that's really the strategy. I, I want to highlight something else, though, Ghost. I mean, you would actually flagged to me two other stocks that were on our watch list, stocks that we had covered in Magic Markets Premium before, uh, but that it actually reached key technical levels that we had indicated in our reports. Now, this is something that not even I had picked up, even though we sit pretty close to the market. You know, I hadn't picked that up. And it's about that discipline of constantly just reviewing your portfolio, checking, you know, am I actually hitting target levels? Should I be taking profit here? Am I actually hitting stop loss levels? Should I be managing my risk here? And that disciplined approach overlaid with the detailed kind of research, just understanding the companies is what becomes valuable. Now, the reason I want to flag this is because things change. I want to stress that again. Things change, not just on the technicals, not just price action, but on fundamentals as well. I mean, a good example is, is Hasbro not giving away too much again for the benefit of our subscribers. You can go and have a look at our recap show. But strategically, there have been some major changes in the business over the course of the last year. And this may or may not change the investment thesis. It might increase the risk. It might decrease the risk. You know, so you've got to keep your finger on the pulse. And that's really, again, like I say, part and parcel of a do your own research, a manage your own investment process. Just keeping your finger on the pulse. Well, you know, a good example is I chatted to you the other day about Microsoft, right? Coming up for this big double top, it seems. You know, now who knows? Of course, it might break right through and, and go to the moon. But I mean, the thing is already pretty much at the moon in terms of valuation multiple. And, and this is where technicals work so well alongside fundamentals, right? Because realistically, it's really hard to sit down and say, well, you know, Microsoft is a great buy at 30x PE, but it's just silly at 36x PE. An easier way to make that argument is to say, well, let's look at what the market has been telling us for all these years. Where does Microsoft typically trade? And where are we relative to that average? And then what are the reasons for that? Are there good reasons why the multiple should be above its long-term average? Are there good reasons why it should be below? Or is that actually an opportunity? You know, then you don't need to sit and have an academic debate of whether or not the thing should be at 30 or 34 or 20 for that matter. You've got a gazillion data points in the market of people who have done actual trades at a specific multiple. They are telling you what a reasonable average looks like. You don't win any prizes in the market for jumping up and down on your head and saying, you know, Microsoft should trade on 15x when it trades at 30 to 35x forever. You are then assuming that Microsoft will literally just break down to nothing. I'm not saying it's impossible in any company. It's not. You see this stuff happen. You know, you have these corporate failures, but they are generally the exception rather than the rule. And I think a lot of people who do well in the markets and they make a lot of money in the markets are people who understand how to marry fundamental and technical concepts. Read the charts, understand the underlying drivers of the business, and then overlay 
their own research into the strategy, what the management team has recently been doing right. I mean, that's something else we look at is insider buying and selling. Yeah, and it's been so instructive. You know, in some instances, and certainly maybe it's, it's less important in some of the larger stocks where institutions predominantly own the share. And so, you know, insider movement might mean a little bit less there versus a company where insiders are much more material force. So you've got to view that within context. But I also just want to go back to some of the points you had highlighted because your investment return, certainly over the longer term, if you're a long investor, if you're not quite sold on the technicals quite yet, you go and you have a look at metrics like what is your dividend yield? How does the stock pay out? What percentage of its cash flows does it pay out? Is it actually generating profit and cash flow to sustain that dividend yield? I mean, something we had highlighted in Magic Markets Premium is how a lot of these companies, it's a misnomer to call them dividend aristocrats because some of them are actually paying these dividends of cash flows that don't exist. They're just running their balance sheets down and they're doing that so that they pop onto certain screens, onto certain investors' radars. Now, does that make long-term investment sense for your portfolio? It might, it might not depending on whether you're a cash flow investor and how sensitive you are to that impact on the underlying company's health. But then things like, for example, we've looked at what is the return on equity adjusted for the price to book value? And that is a metric that works for some companies, but then importantly enough, doesn't work in other companies. There was a company that we had covered fairly recently where they effectively had gone through a lot of share repurchases. And this throws a lot of your return on equity, a lot of your, your equity, let's call them ratios, out of kilter. So your ROE looks disproportionately high or your debt levels look disproportionately high. So it's important to understand some of these fundamental nuances, even when looking at fundamental ratios. And you look at that in terms of a context of long-term, yes, maybe mean reversion, but also where does a company exist? Are we going to see a re-rating or a de-rating or is it something that's trading more or less in line with its own historic track record and this is just talking about the fundamentals we haven't even gotten into the technicalities of the technicals just yet yeah for sure and i mean share buybacks I and mean, something we've talked about on magic markets a million times mo which is how badly they get used in the u.s actually and you know i was quite impressed by a little south african business called mantengu mining which i doubt you've even heard of mo you, you know not necessarily looking at names like that from Canada, I'm sure, but, you know, they reversed another mining asset into it and they released an announcement the other day. This is pretty much, you know, not junior mining, it's an operational asset, but it's a small listed company. But they talk about how the intrinsic value of the share is actually, you know, multiple times higher than where it's currently trading. Now, obviously that's a director's view on the value of the share. It's not necessarily what the market thinks. So it's clearly not what the market thinks. That's why the share price is where it is. But the point is they have the capital discipline to say, hey, you know, if we are so far below our intrinsic value, we're going to now go and do a whole lot of buybacks. And we've just seen a huge announcement today, actually, NASPAS process unwinding the ridiculous cross structure that was put in. Uh, I mean, let's not even go down that path. It's just not worth the stress. But the reality is, you know, they're kind of doing this and then we'll carry on with buybacks and unlock value. In America, that's not necessarily what they do. A lot of the tech companies do it to offset dilution from uh, stock compensation, which is not ideal. But if you look at the more traditional industries and companies, then you will see them use buybacks in the way that you would hope they actually use buybacks. And they do it in order to you know, retain that dividend aristocrat status that you've mentioned there, where they just want to keep growing that cash dividend every year and away we go. It's, it's fascinating looking at the US market and how they think about the world of buybacks. It, it does seem to be different to South Africa. You know, Just an example of where on the fundamentals you need to be a little bit careful but you touched on the technicals and that's something that i've really enjoyed 
learning a lot about, I suppose, in the past, you know, few years. And I certainly make no claims to know anything about them, really. It's, it's basic stuff, and I pick up what I can by watching the good work that other people are doing in this space. You know, the technicals is something you do for us in Magic Markets Premium. And I think it's worth spending a couple of minutes, you know, just like why does this stuff work, firstly? And just high level, what are some of the basic you know, technical techniques, if I can call it that, that people can start to learn about and use? Yeah, I think the why is a very important question. It's not a question that a lot of people ask, incidentally. It's rather strange. But why does it work? Well, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Remember, technical analysis as a discipline has been out there for a long time. And it looks not just at price action. You know, you've got to look at price action, you know, whether you're looking at a candle chart. You've also got to look at volumes. Now, what are we looking at it for? That's really the question. We're looking at it for indications around behavioral cues in the market. If markets were entirely rational, maybe this wouldn't exist. You know, maybe technical analysis wouldn't exist. But right now, markets embed an element of behavioral bias that comes through, an element of emotion. All of the market participants in their totality are still human at the end of the day, whether that's an algorithm, for example, that's primed to actually look at the same, very same support and resistance levels. They're all looking at these levels. And at some point in time, emotion does play a role. So you will find that quite often, you know, markets tend to trend very strongly and then get ahead of themselves on metrics, on a narrative. I mean, we, we all sit out there, we look at the bouncing heads on financial media, they talk about something. And quite often, the more prevalent it is in the media, the less likely it is that you should be jumping into the trade then. You know, by the time it's hitting the headlines, maybe it's actually time for a mean reversion. This happens quite often. There's a joke that once you've made it on the cover of Barron's, you actually have to take the opposite position. The same could be said for the Time magazine or The Economist. So that's part of the behavioral element that comes through. And the best way to distill that in terms of what's happening in the market is a detailed, granular look at price action, where the support and resistance levels are holding, as well as what volumes are telling you. Now, there are a whole host of indicators. I mean, there are textbooks and textbooks written on this stuff, and there's no holy grail. You know, if there was a holy grail, we wouldn't be having this discussion, and there actually wouldn't be a market. What it is, is it is a tool set that every investor gets to play around with, and you get to decide with that tool set whether you like a gardener, you know, you, you're going to use your, your spade, you're going to use your rake, or are you a carpenter? You know, what is your tool set? What is your discipline? How are you going to use them? So we look at a couple of key indicators in Magic Markets Premium. We've tried to keep it fairly high level. We don't go into the full detail on this. So we use just a handful of indicators because sometimes keeping it simpler is quite valuable. I want people to understand why they're looking at it, what they're looking at. So we look at general trend lines. We look at moving averages. Uh, quite importantly, your, your trend line can be a sloping trend line that's upward or downward based on whether a stock is trending or not. But very importantly, I also like looking at horizontal support and resistance levels because this takes some of the emotion out of it as well. And when you put all of this together, you end up with a pretty nice framework within which to operate. Now, one of the key things, and again, it's evidenced in this week's report because it was a recap. When we recap a lot of our analysis on these stocks, we don't change the analysis. We keep the chart exactly as it was in the original report. And then we observe the price action from the time of the last report to where we are today. And importantly, what quite often comes out in the mix is you see the stock 
trade toward the key support and resistance levels that were identified previously. So this for us is some vindication that technical analysis has a role to play. Are the indicators we're using the right indicators for you? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. All I want to do here is start to shine a light in terms of a discipline, an investment discipline that you can use concurrently to your fundamental analysis. And I think it's part of that entire educational concept that we're trying to get across the line. Most something I've noticed from our work in premium and also just following, you know, traders on Twitter and seeing what they say and engaging with them. You know, intraday is anyone's guess, literally. You know, you're literally just watching the bids and offers and you are, you, it's, yeah, I'm not going to say it's gambling, but intraday is hectic. It, it very much is. Uh, fundamentals really don't matter. Obviously, as the time horizon extends, then fundamentals come more into it, which I personally quite like. And I think a lot of the stuff that we track actually works a lot better. So for example, on something like Microsoft, even with my, what I would call basic technical understanding, I'm nowhere near past that phase really. You know, I looked at that and I thought, okay, like I can see the double top here. You know, that makes sense. And if I look at what's going on with artificial intelligence and the hype around it, there's a good chance, no guarantees obviously, but there's a good chance that Microsoft is about to top out again. And unlike last time where I didn't take profit, I think this time I will happily and I'll climb in further down if needed. I learned a hard lesson on transaction capital about riding something through stubbornly. It just doesn't work. If something is overpriced, it doesn't matter how much you like the company, just go away. Like that's how markets actually work. If you're going to play in single stocks and that's now my new discipline, I don't think about what will the tax be on this. I look at the asset and that's it. You know, should I own this or not? But do you think that's a fair statement that I guess as your time horizon extends, you know, a lot more of your sensible thesis can play out. You're actually taking out some of the volatility and letting the analysis come through without as much of the noise. Yeah, Ghost, I've gone through the whole spectrum, you know, kind of intraday trading all the way through to swing trading and position trading. I mean, those are kind of your three big buckets in terms of, of how you could trade a portfolio. I tend to agree with you. I think the longer term investment thesis that you would unpack using fundamental analysis tends to come through when you look at technical analysis as a position trader. You know, you're looking at it in terms of opportunistic entry and exit points. I mean, we're not all Warren Buffett. Not many people on this call are gonna buy one stock and ride that through multi-decades. A lot of us are out there trying to incrementally add gains to our portfolio. And the best way to do so is, like you say, a disciplined approach that when a stock reaches levels that are considered extended, that you take some of that profit off the table, whether that's cutting your entire position or whether that's actually just maybe a partial profit take and letting the rest of it ride. But I fully concur with you in that the best way to apply technical analysis as well as fundamental analysis would be over a longer term time frame, simply because on an intraday basis, there's a lot of noise, a lot of volatility. Some people do that very successfully, but those people generally are less concerned with the fundamentals of a business. They pick a few key stocks that they understand the price action on. Sometimes it's completely agnostic. You don't have to understand anything about the company. You know, there was a joke a little while ago about, you know, someone who ran a hedge fund and they asked him what a company did and all of a sudden his connection went a little bit patchy. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that if you're a shorter term trader on this, you probably shouldn't care about what the company actually does. You're just there to scalp, make your quick returns on a day. Very different discipline to a position trading or a swing trading strategy, which tends to correlate a little bit better with fundamental analysis. 
Thanks, Mo. I think it's been another sort of action-packed show here. You know, we're about 20 minutes in and we're trying to keep these a little bit shorter. Again, we really welcome feedback from our listeners. So far, so good in terms of positive feedback about dropping down to about 20 minutes. I think as people have gone back to work and sitting in traffic, this helps. But please do let us know. You know, if you don't give us feedback, we just don't know. And then if I can give my good friend here a a shameless plug, Mo, you've got a pretty cool new product that you've just launched, which I'm quite excited for you, but also for me to get more of your insights. I think that's awesome. And I think well worth spending a minute just talking about that quickly before we uh, let everyone go. Yeah, thanks, Ghost. I mean, it's called Macro Tech Research. And you can go and check this out at www.macrotechresearch.com. That's one word. And what I'm trying to do here is effectively close off the loop between what we're doing in Magic Markets Premium and some of the other gaps that we've identified in the market. You know, some of our listeners are interested in what are the markets telling us in currencies? What are the markets telling us in commodities? What are they telling us on both global as well as South African stocks? So what we're trying to do in macro tech research is very much a focused approach on macroeconomic analysis and then technical analysis, but taking that several levels deeper. And in fact, one of our showcase charts this week is an educational chart where we looked at a concept called relative rotation graphs and how you can use that to identify opportunities. So again, it's a lot more detailed. It's a lot more focused on the technical analysis. But if you're a listener of this show, if you like some of the technical stuff you've seen in Magic Markets Premium, but want to see a lot more of that and you want to see that across a wide spectrum of markets and asset classes, go and check us out again. Uh, I'd certainly appreciate that. Or hit me up on Twitter. It's at Mohammed Nala. Pop me a DM uh, and I can certainly point you in the right direction. Very nice, Mo. I love seeing our little ecosystem grow across magic markets. Now, Macrotech, congratulations. I'm excited for you. Keen to see what you do with it. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Please give us feedback on the length of the show. Seriously, we really, really value that feedback. Give it to us on Twitter. Pop us an email. You can slide into Mo's DMs if you want. No, I'm kidding. I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.